0: Ready to jump into today's message. So we're just going to dive right in. We're just going to kick it off. I'm excited about this word that God has given me. I believe that God has you here on purpose and for purpose and that he's going to minister to you through this in a way, maybe even like never before. So as we dive into this, I have a question for you. Have you ever done one of those DNA tests? You know what I'm talking about, like 23andMe or Ancestry.com, those tests where you swab yourself, you send it off and they send you back all these results. And it shows that, you know, like you're Scandinavian and Italian and North African and all these other things. And I've seen I've never done one personally. Uh, I don't know why I just haven't. Maybe I don't want to invest the money in it. I'm not sure. I wonder all the time about, you know, where am I from? What's my heritage? But I've just never done one of those. But I've met people who have. And all of those people seem to take on a new sense of identity. They seem to take on a new uh, sense of understanding of who they are and where they come from. They get invested in their heritage. I've seen people go out and buy traditional uh, clothing from wherever that, that test says that they are from. And I just see them take on a new sense of who they are, all based off of this DNA test. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about your spiritual DNA. I'm going to talk to you about the things that are hard coded into you as a believer. These things should excite you. They should make you fired up about learning where you are from, and they should get you just like I said, on fire to be ready to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, as we're in this series, identity theft, talking about the things that the enemy has stolen from us and taking those things back over the last two weeks, we have focused a lot on the enemy. Our verse for this series has been John ten ten, which says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I this is Jesus talking, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus is the they that he's talking about. is his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he said that he came that the sheep would have life and have it abundantly. And like I said, over the last couple of weeks, we focused on the thief, what he does, his tactics, how he steals and kills and destroys us. Well, today we're going to focus on the second part of that verse. And this is a message I believe the enemy does not want you to hear. I don't think he wants you to know this, because when you discover who you truly are in Christ, he cannot stop you. Amen. And so I believe that you're going to hear from God today. I've got a word for you. To, like I said, I'm fired up about I'm excited. I feel a little bit like Pastor Brian, like ready to go uh, with this. But I hope you're excited as well. I hope you are ready to hear from God on who he has created you to be and who you are in Christ. If you have a pen available, I highly encourage you to take notes, follow along, encourage the people there with you to take notes. And then after the message, if you're meeting in homes with other people, discuss some of this stuff, have some conversation about it and talk about where you are in this process of discovering your identity and help one another grow in Christ. Are y'all ready to dive in? I know that I am ready. So today I have three points for you. We're back to the three points and they are three things that we are in Christ. Now, let me say this up front. There are so many more things I could have gone into here. There are so many more things than we that we are in Christ other than these three things. But I figured you wouldn't appreciate a 48 point sermon and I didn't feel like delivering one. So we're going to focus on three. There are three that I pulled out. But I believe these three talk about the essence of who we are in Christ. All right. And here's the first one. And you're going to say, Jay, I know this one. Right. When you hear it, you're going to be like, I already knew that. And we're going to talk about it, though. The first one is this. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And this is why many of you know this one, because 2 Corinthians 5.17 is somewhat of a famous verse. It's one that we like to rehearse as believers. But you are a new creation. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new creation has come. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are fresh out of the box. You've got that new car smell, if you will. You are a new creation in Christ. What does that word new really mean, though? What does that mean that you are a new creation? Well, think about how we've talked about being created in the image and likeness of God and how in Genesis chapter three, the fall happened and Satan came in and tried to destroy that image. God has restored you to that image. In Christ, you are once again created in his image. And his likeness, you are a new creation back to the beginning, brand new. But here's the problem. Many of us walk around carrying the old with us. Many of us walking around carrying so much baggage from our past, so much baggage from the things that have happened to us in the past that we don't ever get to fully experience being a new creation because we're stuck in the old. Even though Jesus died to free us from the old, even though he set us free as captives from the old, we still live like we are stuck. In the old and that's a problem for us children of God that's a problem for us church because we can't live in the past and expect to experience God's best in the present and the future you've got to realize that you are a new creation the old baggage is gone you can shake that off your past does not define you you're not defined by the mistakes that you made you're not defined by what was done to you you're not defined by any of the sins that you committed in the past when you receive God's gift of salvation in Christ you are a new creation The old is past. Scripture tells us that God separates that stuff from us as far as the east is from the west. But many of us have been delivered out of things that we're choosing to still hold on to. So I want to challenge you today, church. Realize that you are a new creation. Realize that you have been made new in Christ. You don't have to carry that baggage with you anymore. And I want to tell you this. I'll be honest with you. I am guilty of this. A lot of this message today is really me preaching to myself and God just letting you watch. Because I am guilty of carrying the old with me. I am guilty of walking forward into the future, but constantly looking in the rearview mirror. I'm guilty of playing those what if games. God, what if I had made this decision or what if I had turned left here instead of turning right? Or God, why did this happen to me? Why did that person hurt me that way? God, why did I screw up my life in this way? And what if and God, why and what if and God, why? I am totally guilty of all of that. Totally guilty of all of that. But church, we have to realize that we are a new creation. If we're really going to be a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden, it comes from being this new creation. The old you was not able to be a light. The old you was spiritually dark, was spiritually dead. But now you are a new creation. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. We need to walk in the newness of who we are. I want to challenge you. Don't be defined by your past. Don't let your past dictate who you think you are today. You are a new creation. And because you are a new creation, you have value, you have worth. God chose you, he picked you, and he did that intentionally, and he made you new. And that carries us into the second thing that we are, and it's this, you have been made worthy. You have been made worthy. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read there in just a second. But I want you to hear me clearly on this, church, because I think a lot of us as believers, we walk around a lot of times and we say, I'm the scum of the earth. I'm horrible. I'm wretched. And all these things that may very well be true. We're not deserving of who we are in Christ. Those things may very well be true. But scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I don't know about you, but I am redeemed. And because I am redeemed, I have been made worthy. When God looks at me, he no longer sees the old me, that old baggage that I like to carry. He doesn't see that anymore. He sees his son, Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus blood poured out over me. And because that's what he sees, I have been made worthy. That's why I can go boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy, to help in time of need. That's why we have access into the inner room, the holy place. When Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil was split in half and we were given access because we have been made worthy. Look with me. at uh, first Peter chapter two. And I'm going to start reading in verse nine. And it says this first Peter, chapter two, verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received Mercy, I don't know about you, but nothing in there tells me that I'm worthless. Mm -hmm. Nothing in there tells me that I don't have any value. It says that I am a chosen race. That means that God handpicked me. It tells me that I am a royal priesthood. I don't know. Have you ever met someone that was royalty? They don't walk around feeling like they're the scum of the earth. They don't walk around with their head hanging low. They walk around with their shoulders rolled back, with their chin up high because they know who they are. And church, I want you to know who you are. It says you are a holy nation. And that word holy, sometimes we think it means that we have to, to be super spiritual or sometimes we think it has this kind of, this kind of almost mystical, uh, appeal to it or this mystical sense to it. But that word holy really just means that you are set apart, that God chose you and he set you apart as his own special possession. That means that when God looks at you, he says, he's mine. She's mine. They're mine. He's not looking at you saying, I don't know who they are. I'm unconcerned with them. He says, you are mine. Have you ever seen a toddler hold a toy that's theirs? Even though they're small, even though they're not great in stature, you would be uh, struggling to try to rip that toy out of their hands. Why? Because it's mine. Right. Well, guess what? No one can take you from God's hands. You are his. He loves you so much. He gave his son to die for you to make you his own special possession. You are his. So when you walk around feeling like, you know what? I'm worthless. I have no value. Remember, you have been made worthy in Christ because you are a new creation. That new creation has value. That new creation has worth. But guess what? Even before you became that new creation, God loved you. He chose you and he wanted you. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his great love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has always loved you. He has always had a plan for you. You were chosen from the very beginning of time. Hold on to that. There is a plan. There is a purpose for you. And if you feel like you have no worth and if you're feeling like, you know what, maybe this world would be better off without me. Let me tell you, God loves you and we love you. You have a plan. You have a purpose. Do not feel worthless. Do not feel like you don't matter. Scripture said that you mattered so much to God that even while you were in the midst of all the dirt and the filth and the darkness that you would do, God sent his son to die for you. That's how much you mean to him. Live your life. Be strong in the Lord. You have been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. So you are a new creation and you have been made worthy. You have value. Hold on to that. You do have Value And because you are a new creation and because you have been made worthy, that makes you another thing. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. And we've talked about a conqueror in the very first message of this series. And I told you guys that a conqueror is someone who takes back territory. A conqueror is someone who goes into somewhere and possesses something maybe that they once owned and was taken from them, but also possesses New things. They take control of new things. Scripture says that we are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. And we're going to read that in a moment in Romans chapter eight. But I just want you to hear from me first. You are more than a conqueror because you are a new creation and because you have been made worthy. Look in Romans chapter eight and we're going to start reading in verse 31. And I know I'm going through this stuff kind of fast, so I appreciate you just kind of sticking with me. I hope that as you're taking notes, that uh, that you're able to keep up. But again, I'm going to repeat a lot of these things over and over again because you are a new creation. And we read that in Second Corinthians 517. You have been made Worthy, And we read that in First Peter, uh, chapter two, verses nine through 10, that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you are God's own special possession, that you can proclaim his excellencies. And that's what we're doing when we talk about, hey, let's go love our city. We want to go out and proclaim his excellencies. He's the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's where we get to reside is in his marvelous light light because he chose us and he handpicked us. So you're a new creation and you have been made worthy. And now you are more than a conqueror because of that. And I don't know about you, but every time I read Romans chapter eight, I get really excited because it starts off telling me that there's no condemnation for me. So what that means is that all that guilt and all that shame that I carry because of all those things that I've done in the past, doesn't exist anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because it says for the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. You are free from the law of sin and death that no longer applies to you because you're a new creation and you've been made worthy and you are more than a conqueror. But we're gonna start reading in verse 31. And I want you to hear God's heart as we read this. And this is the apostle Paul talking. And he says, what then shall we say to these things? He bore your sin and your shame and my sin and my shame on the cross. He died in our place. He paid our debt, a debt that we could never pay. But then he rose victoriously from the grave. But his job wasn't over. It was just beginning. Scripture tells us that now he's in heaven interceding for us. That word intercede means that he's praying on our behalf. He's pleading with God on our behalf for our protection and our provision and that God would help us to endure until his return. Jesus is interceding. For us, we pick up in verse 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, but no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor nothing present or things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what that means? When you see that, that nothing else in all of creation can separate you from the love of God, that word nothing means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not your past, not your sin, not the thoughts that you think that you don't want anyone else to hear, not what people said about you, not what mom and dad told you you were, not the mistakes that you've made. Nothing can separate you from Christ Jesus, your Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, not your abusive spouse, not your rebellious kid, not the faults that you have or the addictions. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. And you need to know that that is coded in your DNA. You're getting this report today. Your results are coming back and it's telling you that you are a new creation, that you have been made worthy and that you are more than a conqueror, that nothing can separate you from the love of your heavenly father because you are in Christ. Hold on to that church. Because if we're going to go be the light of the world, this is what we need to carry with us. You know, something struck me as I was preparing for this message. I started thinking about the disciples. I started thinking about the apostles, Peter and James and John and all those guys. And here's what struck me. Jesus crucified on a cross. Peter crucified upside down. James beheaded. All of the disciples, all of the apostles died horrible deaths in some way. Paul beheaded. With the exception of John, who died basically of old age, exiled on an island that was a forced labor camp after he had been boiled in tar. Right. Sounds great, doesn't it? All these men, including our savior, died what we would consider horrible deaths. Yet people around them looked at them. And said, they have something I want. Imagine that. You're in that that community. You're in that town. And you're watching other Christians being fed to wild beasts. You're watching them being crucified and being burned at the stake. And you're looking at that and saying that there's something in them that I want. I want that. You know what? Crucify me, but give me Jesus. Burn me at the stake, but give me Jesus. Feed me to a lion, but give me Jesus. When people look at you. Even if you were in the midst of your darkest moment, even if you were in the midst of being fed to a lion, would they look at you and say, there is something in you that I want? Guys, this isn't our DNA. And I believe what people saw in them was that they were a new creation. I believe people looked at them and said they have been made Worthy, I believe people saw them just like Paul said that they were more than conquerors. And he said and even said here, we're being led as sheep to the slaughter. We're being killed all day long. But people still saw them because they were more than conquerors. It was who they were. And people said, I want that. You can do whatever you want to my body. You can break me apart. You can take my head off. You can hang me on a tree. But give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I want that. I want that abundant life that he said he came to give us. Remember, he said the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Are you living an abundant life? And that abundance is not about money. It's not about possessions. But do you have peace in the midst of a storm? Do you have joy when everyone else around you is sorrowful? Can you look at the world around you and say, I am more than a conqueror, no matter my past, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've been through. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I may not be worthy, but I have been made worthy because of the blood of Jesus. Do you look at yourself and say, I am a new creation or do you still look at yourself and see the old you? Do you still look at yourself and see the mistakes? Do you still look at yourself and and do you hear the words that mom or dad said you're never going to amount to anything or you're not going to be good enough for anything? Do you hear the people at school who bullied you and told you you were too fat or too skinny or you were too black or too white or too tall or too short? Do you still hear those things or do you hear what God's word says about you? Because his word said that you are a new creation. His word said that you have been made worthy. And his word says that you are more than a conqueror. And church, let me tell you, I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling defeated. I'm tired of feeling down. I'm tired of letting little things steal my peace and my joy. I want to live in the abundance that Christ came to give us. I want to wake up every day and realize that Jay is a new creation, that I'm not the old me, that I'm not my mistakes. I'm not my sins. I'm not my my propensities. Those things don't define me. But I am defined by the word of God. I want to wake up and live in the knowledge that I am redeemed. And because I am redeemed, I should say so. I'm not going to walk around, although I may be like Paul said, the chief of sinners. I'm not going to walk around and talk about who Satan wants me to call myself. I'm going to be what God says that I am. I'm tired of feeling defeated, tired of feeling tired. And I know I'm not alone in this. I know that many of you are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. But y'all, the answer is in God's word. It's in your identity. It's in who you are in Christ. And Satan doesn't want you to hear this because he knows that once you grab a hold, once I grab a hold of who we are in Christ, there's nothing that he can do to stand against us. Church, if we really want to go out and be the light of the world, if we really want to go out and be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, we need to grab a hold of these things and not just know them, not just read them as words on a page, but believe them, believe them and then live them so that when people see us. No matter what we're going through, no matter if we just lost our job or if we just lost our spouse or if we lost a kid or we lost a loved one, no matter what we're facing in life, no matter what illness the enemy tries to throw at us, no matter what report comes back from the doctor, they can see us as more than a conqueror and they can look at us in the midst of everything that we're going through and they can say, I want that. I want that. When people look at you, is that what they're saying? I want what you have. I want what you have, no matter what circumstances you go through. I want what you have. Come on, church. We got to stand up. We're the light of the world. And I know you've heard two series in a row now that kind of talk to you about this idea of being the light of the world. That's who God called us to be. And as a church, we are called specifically to these seven cities. Hence our name, Seven Cities Church. We are called to be the light to the seven cities and beyond. But we want to start right here. But for you, it starts in your heart. It starts in in recognizing, number one, how the thief has tried to come and steal from you and kill you and destroy you. But then more so recognizing who you are in Christ and receiving that abundant life that he came to give you. And not just knowing it, but believing it. And then once you believe it, live it so much so that the world sees it. And they say, I want that. You can nail me to a cross. You can hang me from a tree. But give me Jesus. Now, you may be listening to me and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I've never received Christ. I've never received him as my savior. I don't even have any clue what you're talking about. But like I mentioned earlier, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love for you and that while you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. He died for you. And what that really means is that Jesus allowed himself to be beaten beyond recognition. He allowed himself to be nailed to a cross on your behalf so that he could take on the guilt and the shame and the wrath of God and the punishment for your sin and my sin. And he could put all those things in the grave and he could defeat them to make you free. So Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he wants to give you an opportunity to experience eternity with him in a relationship with the father that starts right here, right now, here on earth where you can live and be a new creation, where you can be made worthy and you can be more than a conqueror. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart right now, and maybe you can't even identify it, maybe you're having these feelings where where you're feeling convicted of your sin and you're thinking about the things that you've done wrong and that sense of remorse and stuff And there. Scripture says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ, convicting you, giving you this sense of I need to repent. Your next step is to realize that Jesus is the only way, that he is the way, the truth and the life. And the only way to the father is through him. And so you call out to him and say, Jesus, you died for me. I believe that you are my savior. I believe that you died on the cross. But more than that, I believe that you were raised from the dead three days later. And now you are in heaven at the right hand of the father, daily making intercession for me. If you if you pray that, if you say that. Scripture tells us that we will be saved, but it's only if the Holy Spirit is guiding you there. Other than that, it's just words that we're throwing out. And then you can begin to experience the abundant life that Christ came to give you. Or maybe you would admit what I just admitted a few minutes ago. You are a child of God. You know that you are a child of God. You know that you've been redeemed, but sometimes you have trouble saying so. Maybe that's where you are today, where you realize you are a new creation, but you're carrying so much of the old with you. Guys, we've got to let it go. And I know it's not easy. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to block out those voices at night. I know it's hard to unhear those words that were spoken to you. I know it's hard to forgive yourself for the things that you've done. I know it's hard to, to I don't want to say let go, but I know it's hard to just say, God, I put these in your hand. I don't want to deal with them anymore. Guys, we carry around guilt and shame for years and years and years that Jesus has already made us free from. I know it's hard to let it go, but the only way that you can live in the abundant life that Christ came to give you is to realize that you are a new creation and that you've been made worthy and that you are more than a conqueror. You've been set free. You're no longer a captive. Stop letting the past define you. Again, I know it's hard, but church, it's time for us to let those things go, because that's when we're able to go out into the world. And we can use those things. We can allow God to use those things to reach people who maybe are doing the things we used to do, to reach people who maybe have been hurt the way that we once were hurt. That's when we can go out into the world and God can use those things to reach people where they look at that and say, you know what, even though you were abused as a kid, even though you were molested as a kid, even though you were bullied as a kid, I see where you are now and I want what you have now. You're not defined by the scars of the past. I see something new in you, and I want to feel that newness myself, and they will see that, and God will allow you to use your story and your testimony to guide that person to life in Christ. But, guys, we've got to get a point to where we realize we've already been given life in Christ. It's time for us to walk in it, it's time for us to fully receive it and to fully walk in it. Church, I want to pray for you. We are the light of the world. God has put us here strategically in the seven cities. So that we can go out and reach the lost and the hurting and the broken and the confused that's all around us. But first, we have to be sure of who we are. We have to know who we are in Christ, that he made us male and female, that he made us in his image and his likeness and that he's given us dominion over these things. We have to know that who we are in Christ and what that means is that we have been restored, we've been redeemed. God has put us here on purpose and for a purpose. And that's what we carry out into the world. So that we can be that city on a hilltop, the light of the world that leads and guides people to our heavenly father, because they see him at work in us and through us, and he's glorified in it church. Let me pray for you. Heavenly father, Lord, I'm just in awe of who you are. There are so many things that we just don't deserve, but you have freely given them to us anyway. And father, I pray over, over each and every person that hears my voice, that you would help them to know that they are free, that you would help them to know that they truly are a new creation, that the old, the old doesn't define us anymore. But we find our identity in you. We find our identity in your word. We find our identity in Christ and what you say and who you say we are. Lord, I thank you that we have been made worthy and that because we have been made worthy, we can now come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy, to help in time of need. So father, I pray that you would challenge us and that you would change us. That we would walk forward with you knowing fully who we are, that our identity is secure, that that nothing can separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus, our Lord, that nothing, Lord Jesus, can take us out of your hand. That when you look at us, that we are your own special possession, that you look at us and you say mine and you hold on to us, that you love us and that you care for us. I pray for those who are watching who may not know you, Lord, I pray. And I ask that today be their day, that today be the day that they enter into a relationship with you, that they realize their need for a savior, that they're convicted by your Holy Spirit, that he gives them the faith to believe and that they can believe in you as their savior. Lord Jesus, that is my prayer for them today, that you meet them right where they are. And father, for those who are hurting, who are lost, who are broken, who who feel they have no worth or no value, who the enemy has come in and he's stolen from them and he's tried to kill them and he's tried to destroy their purpose. Father God, I pray that you would restore them. Lord, I pray that you would give them such a sense of hope and such a sense of peace in this moment. Father God, I pray that you would let them know that you are their father, that you love them, that you sent your son to die for them because they are worthy. They are not worthless. They have value. They mean something to you, Lord. They matter to you. And I pray that you would remind them of that. I pray that right now they would feel your presence in such a tangible way, Lord God, and that it would be unmistakable and that they would know they have been made worthy in Christ. Father, I pray that you use us as a church. Let us be the light to our community. Remind us each and every day of who we are in you. Lord, and we praise you for it. Help us to glorify you even on the worst of days, so that people would see you in us and they would say, I want that. And Lord Jesus, it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, for those of you that are meeting.